Welcome, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. This is Brother Jimmy Fortunato, and you're listening to a sermon from the Pilgrim Baptist Church in Tennessee. For more information about our church, please visit us on the web at pilgrimbaptist.church. 2 Timothy chapter number 2. 2 Timothy chapter number 2 is where we will be. We're going to look at one verse of Scripture this morning. We're going to get as much truth as we can out of it. 2 Timothy chapter number 2, verse number 19. The Bible says, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are His, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Let's bow and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son to die on the cross to pay for our sins. We ask your blessing of, over the proclamation of your word. We pray that your saints are edified. We pray it for your glory, Lord. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. All right, this verse, verse number 19, really gets down to the heart of the matter in this chapter. And it clearly presents God's expectation of us as Christians. It's a sad day and age in which we live in because vile sin, it just abounds and it's all around us. And I'm not going to get into, well, was it worse 50 years ago than it is now? Or is it going to get worse? All I know is it has been, it is now, and it always will be. This isn't our home. We're pilgrims. Our home is with the Lord. We're passing through, but this world, sin abounds. It's a common biblical theme throughout all of Scripture. Sin is all around us. From the start, from the past, from the present, tomorrow in the future, we're going to be surrounded by a sinful world. It's evil, it's sin-cursed. We have to recognize this. Crime all around us. Divorce. Happens all the time. Fornication. All over the TV. All over the movies. All over the radio. Family squabbles. Drinking. Drug addiction. Filth in movies. Filth in video games. It's all over. And you know what everybody's got? A philosophy to cure it. And it don't work. No political agenda, no self-help guru, no 12-step program, none of that at all can compare to the solution that is provided by God Himself in His Word. Jesus Christ is the solution to our problems. He always has been, He always will. None of this other stuff in the world even runs a close second. So, our Christian profession, there's got to be saving power in that. And that's the question I want to pose to you this morning. Is there any saving power left in the Christian profession? It's getting harder and harder to live in this world as a Christian. Nevertheless, the Bible says in verse 19, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. Let's go over to Psalm 102. In one hand... Psalm 102 in one hand, and then Ephesians chapter 2 
in another. Verse number 25, the Bible says, Of old hast thou laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thy hands. Foundation of God standeth sure. He laid the foundation of the earth. That's our Creator God. It's good to get a perspective of that. Amen. Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 20, the Bible says, And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone. Jesus Christ is the foundation. Jesus Christ is God. He laid the foundation of the earth. And nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. The foundation of your Christian profession, the foundation of my Christian profession, it has to rest on our Savior, Christ the Lord. Christ is all. You know what we do? We declare our faith. We announce our loyalty to Christ. We affirm our belief in all the things that we believe. But every day, Christians step off of that foundation. That's not what God wants. We want to stand sure on that foundation. And we try to build our own foundation. Building a house. I want to get out of building a house. It's stressful building a house. Why did I decide to try to build a house? But I know this, the foundation had to go first. And boy, was that a mess. Oh yeah, it'll be, um, it won't be too bad as long as we don't hit rock. Nah, we won't hit rock. Well, what'll happen if we hit rock? Well, we can bust through it, but it'll cost you. <laughs> All right, Lord, help us not hit rock. Help us not hit rock. Yeah, we hit rock. So they bring out a big thing and bust it out, and that's cool. And they set that foundation, and it's strong. The house isn't ever going to get up and move from the foundation. That's where it sits. That's where it rests. That's where it functions. You ever hear of a tree that just gets up and uproots itself and moves? No, that tree stays there. It roots drive itself deep. Christians all the time, they want to just kind of come up with an idea to get off of God's foundation. We shouldn't do that. His foundation standeth sure. Now, to the God-denying college professor and all of these liberal people, it means nothing to them. God's word means nothing. His foundation means nothing. They mock at it. They laugh at it. Don't allow that to influence you to walk away. You stay put. But to, to the sincere, they take an honest look at the Bible. Their conscience bears them witness. God's creation all around them 
God's law to show them their need for a savior. And then the gospel witnesses all over this world that are being sent out. Anybody that sincerely takes a look at what God has done can be regenerated, can be born again, because our foundation is God and our foundation standeth sure. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. Paul's in prison. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. You and I are going to go through trials. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. We go back to go back to 2 Timothy. We already preached on uh, verse 17, but there's some problems coming up. Good old Hymenaeus and Philetus show up. False teachers, they show up. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. And let's go back to verse number 19. What does it say? Having this seal. It is a guarantee. Guarantee. You know, we go to different websites or you're going to go buy something and you, you look for the little guarantee uh, seal. You know, is this guaranteed to work? Because we want to know if I spend the money on it, is it going to break next week? We like guarantees. Foundation of God, stand assured, having this seal. No event in my life, no event in your life is going to change the foundation of God. It's not going to happen. What is a seal? It's an evidence of authenticity. It's an impression or an engraving or an inscription of something that's guaranteed. Let's go back to John chapter 3. John 3. Verse number 33, John 3, 33. Now let's go to verse number 30. It's good to start there. He must increase, but I must decrease. That's a good verse to memorize. We can all use that. Verse 31, he that cometh from above is above all. And he that is of the earth is earthly and speaketh of the earth. He that cometh from heaven is above all. What he hath seen and heard, he testifieth. No man receiveth his testimony. He that hath received his testimony hath set to his seal that God is true. To seal something is to make it sure. It confirms that it's true and binding. You seal a bond or a deed or a will, it's sealed. It's true. It's going to happen. You receive the testimony of Christ. I receive the testimony of Christ. Any lost person received his testimony of Christ. They're sealed. Their heart is sealed by Christ. Our God that promised it is true. Our God that spoke it is true. And it's never going to expire. It's a guarantee that has no expiry date on it. All right, then the Bible says, uh, let's get John chapter 10. 
Nevertheless, the foundation of God stands ashore, having this seal. And then the Bible says, the Lord knoweth them that are His. We can go in a lot of different directions in this next half of this verse, but I've decided to park on a few points here. The Lord knoweth them that are His. In John chapter 10, verse number 14, we'll read. John 10, 14, I am the good shepherd, and know my sheep, and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. He knows who you are. He knows where you are. He knows what you, what you have. He knows what you need. He's the good shepherd. He understands the trials that you and I face. That's the Christian life. Let's go over to verse 27. The Bible says, John 10, 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. I don't know what other verse you need to know. To know that you are eternally secure in the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know what else you need. I mean, the Bible, just read it. That's a simple one. Believe it. He will never lose you. You know what life does? It shuffles you around. Up and down. It tosses you around. And a flying an airplane, and every time I go on a plane, I pray, Lord, please don't let this plane toss me around like a salad. And then I finally get a nice smooth flight. And we're about 100 miles from coming into Nashville, and I look over, clouds are beautiful. And in this cloud, lightning is going on. And I said, my first thought was, that's beautiful. My second thought is, oh no. What if the cloud we're going through has lightning in it? Beautiful, beautiful stuff. No amount of failure on your part, on my part, on any Christian's part, affects God. Might affect us in our mindset, but not God. He's got you. He's got you. All right. 2 Timothy 2. Kids, you awake? You having fun? If you are, say amen. Amen. Good, good. Glad that you are. All right. The Lord knoweth them that are His, and let everyone. There's six let everyone's in the Bible. Nehemiah 4.22, Psalm 58.8 are the Old Testament verses. We're going to turn to Romans 15. Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15, verse number 2. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. I believe the Bible. I want to obey God's word. I love the Lord so much I want to keep his commands. Here's one we can try and keep. <laughs> Let every one of us please his neighbor. That's tough. And then God kind of qualifies it by saying, for his good to edification. Meaning, don't worry about you. That's every one of us as Christians 
try to please our neighbor. Tough verse to obey. God wants us to. Just going through the six everyones, or at least the ones in the New Testament. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. 1 Corinthians chapter number 16, verse number 2. The Bible says, Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store, as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. And when I come, whomsoever you shall approve by your letters, them will I send to bring, them, to bring your liberality unto Jerusalem. God wants to give upon the first day of the week. It's the second, let everyone in the Bible. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter number 5. Okay, here's, this is good. We're going to tie this together with three verses. I think you'll like this. I liked it. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 33 says, Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself. That's another tough one for the fellows. And the wife see that she reverence her husband. So love his wife. Let everyone. That's one of the let everyone's in the Bible. And John 3.16 For God so loved the world. And then in 1 John 4.11 the, the Bible says Beloved, if God so loved us we ought also to love one another. So in our let everyone's in the Bible, if God so loved the world. We're to so love our wife. God so loved us. That's the reason why we ought to love one another. You know the character of God is love? We should love each other. Alright, now let's get to back Second Timothy chapter number 2. Verse number 19, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are His, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Iniquity, 262 times in the Bible. You know what Christ can do? He can take the murderer, and He can make him into a kind and compassionate man. He can take the drunkard man, he can take the drunkard woman, and he can turn that person into a sober person. He can take the whoremonger, he can take the adulterer, he can take the fornicator, and he can make that person have a pure mind with pure thoughts. He can take the thief, and he can turn him into a helping man and a giving man. And he can take the liar, and he can make him into an honest man. That's God. That's His foundation. That standeth sure. That's the seal. He can do that. He will pray. He can do it. And you know what the result is? The society is better off. Society number one is affected by it. Who doesn't want an honest employee? Who wouldn't want to hire a Christian man? But then... Society has to deal with it. If you're anything like me, when I got saved, my friends would say, 
When's the old Jim coming back? When's the old Jimmy coming around? He ain't. Because <laughs> I'm a new creature. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, you told me, you told me. The Lord and all that stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. And if you're anything like me, the same thing happened to you in one way, shape, or form. You know, people make fun of Bible-believing Christians and separation and all that, but really, they kind of start to separate from you. <laughs> they don't want to do lunch anymore. They don't want to... Why? Because you're different. God took your mind, turned it into a pure mind. God took your life, made your life wanting to live for His glory. We need to radiate to the world that we have departed from iniquity. Oh, okay, that's fine for the parents. That's fine for the adults. You know what they want? All the little ones. That's what they want. That's their battle. But God helping me, I'm going down fighting. God helping me, I'm standing sure. God helping me, I ain't laying down. Let's march on. Let's get in the fight. If you want to be a Christian soldier, it means you're going to have to fight a little bit. You're going to have to go through some battle scars a little bit. Amen. People say, why are you doing what you're doing? I said, I've invested a lot of money and a lot of stuff that has had a lot lesser value. Why wouldn't I devote the same time, the same effort, the same energy into something for the Lord? I'm asking you to consider what you would do as well to affect this lost and dying world. Because you know people are going to wonder why. And that opens the door. Yeah. I should really say more biblically, God opens the door. Because now, let me tell you what happened to me. And there it is. The saving gospel of Christ the Lord. You know what society wants? You know what all the schools want? You know what all these 12-step programs want? They want kind men. They want sober men. They want honest men. They want men and women with pure minds. They don't want to name the name of Christ. That's what they don't want. They don't want it mentioned. They don't want it brought up. They don't want it talked about because they don't want the Creator God, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, they don't want him getting the credit. People, I find it funny because people like to move down south. You know, you read these blogs and these websites, especially when you relocate and then you talk to different people. People want to move down south because southern hospitality, southern manners, uh, you know, people are polite, people are... All of those are Christian principles. They just don't want Jesus Christ. They like the Southern kind of Christian. Um, that's all Christian stuff. Just don't mention Jesus. Just kind of, we'll just keep it to, we'll just have good manners because we're Southerners. Jesus Christ. We cannot take his name out of it. Depart from iniquity. Here's the problem in modern churches in America. 
When I chose a Bible school, it was hard because there's so many Bible schools that don't believe anything. So to find a Bible, to find a Bible school, Bible institute that stands on the Word of God and isn't going to correct it or change it is very, very difficult to do. It's big business. Church is big business. Here's what's happening. Mick churches pop up all over the place. They're going to skate as close as they can towards sin, not call it iniquity. They're going to do everything they can do to get people in. Look, drinking a little beer is fine. As long as it's in moderation. We're going to have all this stuff for the kids, and when they get older, we'll just have a youth program that we're going to kind of design and disguise it. It's really kind of Christian dating. We just don't want to really call that for the parents. And the whole thing is nothing but a flesh fest. It's Mick Church after Mick Church after Mick Church after Mick Church. It's big business. Beautiful buildings. Beautiful water slides. Beautiful. All of it. It's just, it's just so... Oh, six flags over Jesus. A bunch of tomfoolery is what it is. Let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. It's not what they say. It's what they don't say. Tell the kids to depart from iniquity. Tell the kids that drinking liquor is wrong. Tell the kids that this is sin. No, we're not going to do this. No, we're not going to have co-ed sleepovers. Who thought of that grand idea? Some youth pastor that's got a slick haircut and a pair of ripped jeans that's 20? It's nonsense. Let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. You know what they don't want to do? Depart from iniquity. Be ready to be called a legalist. Be ready to be called you're taking it too far. How about let's just be ready to depart from iniquity. Amen. These big churches are winning people all the time. They're not winning them to the Lord. But they're winning them. They're winning with God helping us. We're not doing that. When a man or woman names the name of Christ, others should expect you and I to live our life of holiness, godliness, and righteousness. And there are a group of people that will say and know, oh, a Christian shouldn't do that. But now the churches are getting so far gone that, oh no, we do that too. We just don't make it as bad as the world makes it. The lines are blurred. Christians are confused. The average Christian today can't even tell you how they got saved. Oh, I was always saved. Huh? Let alone tell someone else how to get saved. I'm here to tell you this morning as we wind down, Christianity is not responsible for iniquity. Christianity and naming the name of Christ is responsible for people departing from iniquity. And I asked you at the beginning of the message, is there any saving power in the Christian faith? There is. 
Number one, we have the Bible. Some people look at the Bible and they kind of treat it as a table. A feast of food. And you can go there and you can go to that table and any food you like you can grab and eat and enjoy. And the stuff you don't like and you don't want to have to think about, you don't have to. And I guess that's one way to look at it. And I guess there is some truth to that. Because we all want to feast. We all want to get some good spiritual nutrition from God's Word. But what about the stuff that we need that we don't grab? Like when mom tells us, hey, we got to eat our vegetables. It's on the table, just we ain't touching it. We got to look at the Bible that way too, almost like a medicine chest. Trying to get some fence put up. And there's some old barbed wire. I've got my backside up against trying to move some of the brush and trying to get this T-post in and hit. And when I hit, my finger cut right on the barbed wire, right on the rusty barbed wire. It just blood all over. What do I do? I run back to the house. Where's the medical kit? I never thought about peroxide, neosporin, and a Band-Aid for three months. But now I need it. Now I've got to go and be able to get it. And of course, I get to the job site and I can't find it because I'm a guy. <laughs> and then your second thought is, my wife moved it. <laughs> Why? Because I'm a guy. And then one of the fellows, he had something in his truck and he sprayed it down peroxide and the whole thing foams up and it put the medicine on it and bandage and salve and it was what I needed. As Christians, we need, yes, we can feast on God's Word and fill up and feel good. That's true. We should do that. But it's also what we need. It's what we need. It means sometimes the preacher might preach on something that offends you or next week convicts you or next month convicts that group. Maybe it's what they need. And when you preach all the counsel of God, we want to treat it, yes, as a table of feasting, but also as a medicine chest. Nevertheless, the foundation of God stands assured. The power comes from God's Word. Finally, I'll end with this. The church, it's the body of Christ. Our saving profession can have power as we assemble with the body. It's to provide pure, wholesome, godly, companionship, fellowship, and community. They used to all work together. The family, the school, the old schoolhouse, the church, all used to work together. Now things are so far blurred and confused. There's nowhere it's getting harder for families to turn anywhere. Even Christian schools. I'm not against Christian school. I'm just saying they've turned some of them so far that there's just a spirit of unwholesomeness there. I'm not saying don't go. I'm not saying, I'm not saying any of that. I'm just saying the results that they're producing are becoming more immoral and immoral. These so-called churches, the results they're producing are becoming more and more immoral young people. We can do something for God with God's help. We can do something for God. The church has to be a place. A young person who is struggling can come and get help, get compassion, 
Get community. Get fellowship. People that are struggling with sin, they're deep in sin, there has to be a place where they can come and it's pure. It's wholesome. It's godly. It isn't just, hey, we're saved and we're Christians and we've got our little, little church click. Here we are. Nobody can come here. It's us. We're saved. Do you believe like we do? Okay. Bye. It's a bunch of tomfoolery. It has to be a place for the vile sinner to come. Not to feel good about still living the way they're living. Just to see a bunch of families and a bunch of... Just to have a community say, you know what? God loves you. We're going to love you. This is a pure place. This is a holy place. This is a godly place. We're going to point you to Christ. Has to be that community. I love seeing kids in church. Amen. I... I taught martial arts for 16 years before I had the grand idea to sell my business, sell my house, and move my family to learn the Bible. I don't regret it, just saying it wasn't easy. And we do three kids' classes a day times five days a week. Now, I could do that in my 20s and 30s and have the vitality and energy, but I loved it. Kids running around, oh, it was so fun. I want to have a church with God helping us where the young people grow up and can look back and say, I'm grateful for the memories that I had in church. I'm grateful that there were people there that helped me keep my eyes on Jesus. And I'm grateful for the relationships that I had and was brought up with with my Christian church family. The Lord knoweth them that are His. The power comes from the exalted Christ and knowing that you are His. The Bible says, Let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. And the power comes from all of us as individual Christians, families, and as a church departing from iniquity. Thanks a bunch for listening. For more information about Pilgrim Baptist Church, be sure to visit us online at pilgrimbaptist.church where you can also send me a personal message or learn more about joining us for a church service. And remember, Christ is all.